While we were singing, I was uh, just reminded of an incident that took place for me just before Christmas. You know, before Christmas comes, you get Christmas cards, and you know, sometimes, well, I don't read them these days, obviously, but you know. Um, so this Christmas card arrived, and, and Babs read it out, and it was from a guy called David Bessford. I've known David for years, him and his wife, and David used to be a treasurer when I had a charity. But David and his wife were confirmed practicing atheists. They made no kind of bones about that. That's what they were. And um, But this Christmas card had a note in it that said, Sorry to tell you, but Judith has passed away. And I was really surprised. So I rang him, spoke with him, and he said, well, can I come across for a cup of tea? I said, yeah, you come across, of course you can. So he came to our house and sat down, had a cup of tea, and we chatted and went through the, the build-up to her passing away. And towards the end of his visit, I said, um, would, you, would you like me to pray for you? And he said, um, I would. I said, would you like me to pray for you right now? If you don't mind, he said, um, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. I just hope we got it right. Here's the atheist, convinced that God does not exist. His wife, convinced that God does not exist. But now she's passed away and he doesn't know whether they're right or wrong. And it's too late. And if you're frightened of dying, and we've sung songs on that day when my strength is failing, if you fit the category and you're not sure what is beyond the grave, if you're not certain or you're scared of dying and what that implies, we would love to pray for you before you leave this place. There is no reason to go from this place still with that fear over you because he, the King of Kings, breaks every chain. From eternity to eternity, he is the Prince of Peace. He came into this broken world as sinners to release. They placed a crown of thorns on him as in my place he stood. Then they nailed him to that dreadful tree, that Roman cross of wood. They placed him in a borrowed tomb and sealed it with a stone. But the Holy Ghost was there with you, so you were not alone. Death couldn't hold you. The grave couldn't hold you back. The grave couldn't hold you in. And three days later you rose again, our great and glorious King. That's Jesus. That's who we've been singing about today. There is no need to go through life fearful of the unknown. Well, you may say, there are some things in life I didn't sign up for. That is very true. There are some things in life I didn't sign up for. But you never know what's going to happen when you go to visit somebody one day and they say, we're just going to give you another routine injection in the eye. Thank you very much. Just what you do on a Thursday morning when there's nothing else to do. And that was March 2020 on a Thursday. By the Sunday, over in the Durham Centre, I went to feel really ill, went home, 
went to sleep, woke up at half past two. And as I woke up, I thought, I feel so much better. I don't know what that was about. And then I opened my eyes. And the rest, they say, is history. Because I had an infection at the back of the eye. I couldn't see. But I didn't sign up for that, God. God, your word says, I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. Well, I feel robbed. Well, I felt robbed. And you have to work your way through it. And way back then, Sandra gave a word which I didn't like. I knew I was in good company. I knew it. Oh, there's always one in every bus trip, you know. And the word was acceptance. I didn't want to accept it. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what we signed up for. This is not what was meant to happen. I was going to keep working. And then I was going to perhaps go part-time or slowly drift away and before I retired. That was the plan. And the book of Proverbs says, man makes his plans. But security belongs to God. Now this morning we are continuing in our journey through John's Gospel. And if you're a visitor, whether that's an occasional visitor, a first-time visitor, an infrequent visitor, or any other kind of visitor, if you're here you may not be aware that we are going through John's Gospel. And we are. Worth going on and checking it all out and catching up with the teachings that have taken place on the podcast. But today... We're in John chapter 9. For those of you that don't know the story in John chapter 9, it's to do with a man born blind. It's an interesting story. And we started in verse 1 of John chapter 9, and uh, it goes something like this. Born into a world of darkness was not a pleasant place to be. A world that's without colour, only sounds of mystery. But into that world is where I was born, and now my clothes are tattered and torn. Then one day I was spotted by Jesus, a man I didn't yet know. In his throat he made a sound, and then he spat upon the ground and made a mud pack for my eyes, which was to me a disgusting surprise. Then he told me where to go. So I went, where I was sent, off to the pool of Siloam. And in that place, I washed my face. And this was no deception. For the very first thing that I saw was my very own reflection. I knew it was me looking back at me. This was another surprise. I knew it was me looking back at me. I still had some mud in my eyes. Then a crowd around me gathered, and someone said, That's him. That's the beggar from off our streets. We think his mother called him Jim. Somebody else said, Thank you. (laughs) No, it's not, replied another. Better still, the crowd chorused in. Let's ask his father and mother. The religious rulers joined in next. Give glory to God, man, they, they chimed. Are you the beggar off our streets, the man they say was born blind? Well, I told them once. And I told them twice, but really, they didn't care. They didn't care that I washed my face in the pool of Siloam that was there. They didn't care that I had a miracle which was in size quite mammoth. The thing that angered them most of all was that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. (laughs) 
So, finally I told them, as simply and as plainly as can be. You see, this is my miracle. Once I was blind, but now I can see. And that was his story. But let's kind of unpack the story a little bit because there are things not on the page in the Gospels or in the Bible where you have to kind of dig beneath the surface a little bit. Because there was a day when this man did not exist. He was born. It says that he was born blind. That's remarkable, that, isn't it? He was born blind. There was a day when he was conceived in the womb. And there was a day of anticipation by parents, the husband and the wife, for the new arrival. We don't know if he was the first, the last, somewhere in the middle. No idea. But there was a day waiting for his arrival. And the day came. And the midwife says... We'll call her Mrs. Levi for argument's sake, just to give her a bit of credibility. Like, Mrs. Levi, you've just given birth to a beautiful, bouncing baby boy. Something wrong. I'm not sure how long it would take before they realized that this beautiful, bouncing baby boy was born blind. But the tragedy is this. In that society, all those years ago, to be born blind, or any disfigurement, any uh, disability of any kind, instantly, instantly puts you in the outcast society. There's no hope. He's never going to go to the synagogue and sit at the feet of Gamaliel and be taught the Torah. He's not going to be taught the Old Testament. He's not going to learn to recite it. He's never going to go and work and become a shepherd boy. He's never going to go and join Peter and John and, and, and learn to fish. He's not even going to be with Matthew and learn the arts and crafts of being a tax collector. It's not going to happen from birth. He is an outcast. And his parents the mother in particular, having brought this baby into the world, has to carry the shame and the disgrace of what she has done. And there's no help. There is nothing. See, four years ago, or just over four years ago, we came across Newcastle Vision Support. Lovely, brilliant. Some, someone else out there to offer help. He's got nothing. There's no RNIB available for him. There is no uh, guide dogs association available for him. There's nobody from the local authority that's going to come along and say, what you need is one of these. Now you can buy these online, but if you buy it because you think you need it, but you don't know how to use it, it's not much help to you. And so when I was first introduced, I called this Big Al. <laughs> Because i got a skinny one that almost called Slim Jim. And a middle one that's called Short Stanley. I had to name them because I didn't want any of them. And I thought, at best, you become my friend or my ally rather than just me not get on well with you. So this is Big Al. Without this, I am not very dependent. I can't go very far on my own. But when trained, you learn how to sweep, as they say, 
and you have to make certain that you walk in a way that's in time with the way you walk. Now, if you don't know me very well, I'll let you into a little secret. Singing, clapping, in time, you know, they're they kind of foreign language to me. They don't come naturally. And so, <laughs> glory to God. And so, having been trained and let loose, whoa, you know, the world suddenly becomes your oyster. I was walking around over a state on one occasion and suddenly there was a thing that kind of went past and it turned out to be three guys that were window cleaners carrying ladders and the last guy, as I'm getting closer to it, he went, she loves me, she loves me not. She lo- <laughs> shut up, just shut up. <laughs> but he didn't sign up for it, and neither did I. But added against him is not only an outcast from birth. I can't remember where I found it, but I asked Siri the other day, can you give me some information about disabilities in the, New, in the Old Testament? And then Siri read out some stuff. And the thing that I was horrified at was if you were blind, you're bottom of the pecking order in the outcast society. Oh, well, that's, that's a bit harsh. Not only are you an outcast, but even in that community, this poor guy is at the bottom of the pile. And this article went on to say, Judges 16, Samson gets captured, gets his hair shaved off, loses his anointing, strength disappears, and the Philistines capture him, and the first thing they do is gouge out his eyes. He's Israel's judge. He's gone from the uttermost to the guttermost in a moment. 2 Kings 25, Nebuchadnezzar finally, after a 10-year siege of Jerusalem, raids the city. And eventually they capture King Zedekiah. And before they take him back to Babylon, they gouge out his eyes. From the top to the bottom, in a moment. From the greatest to the weakest, the most insignificant, in a moment. Oh, it's unbelievable. But you know, when we read John 9, it says, there was a day when Jesus was passing by, and he noticed this man born blind from birth. Why didn't he notice him the day before? I don't know. But it does give me hope that there's a day coming when, if you're waiting for your miracle, and I know we're not all fit and healthy, there are one or two of us that struggle. Unlike Alan, who was just, you know, a picture of health himself. <laughs> well, he was the last time I saw him about four years ago. <laughs> Are you still as slender as you used to be, I asked myself. <laughs> but I tell you what, the imagination is amazing. <laughs> but this guy has the world against him. Everything. But Jesus notices him this day. Maybe for you. Maybe for me. This day is a day when you will get your long-awaited miracle. There's a day on God's calendar. There's a day coming when, if it doesn't happen for me in this life, there's definitely a day coming when 
I will see him face to face. There is a day coming when that will happen, when disabilities and disfigurements and disease and all the rest of it are done away with. There's a day coming. But there's a day when Jesus noticed this man. What Jesus did is is remarkable. The first thing he does before he gets to deal with the guy that is born blind is to deal with the disciples. They want to go down the sin issue. And Jesus says, nothing to do with sin. Him or parents, nothing to do with them. This is for the glory of God. But because it's nothing to do with sin and Jesus didn't go down that route, neither am I. So put the sin to one side. Jesus sees this guy. And what's remarkable is what Jesus does. No, it's gross. I know. But just before he dealt with the man, for the second time, in a short space of time, Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Here's the light of the world. Here's a man in darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And the light has never been defeated. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things are made by Him. And without Him, there wasn't anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has never defeated it, comprehended it, understood it, overthrown it. The light always, always wins. You may think, well, my little light is not very much really. And very often I don't think we're fully aware of how well we shine in a dark world. But the darkness can never, never overcome it. Many years ago we heard the story of a group of Gideons, that's the people that give out Bibles in hotels and in schools, etc. And they were in uh, Buenos Aires in Argentina. And they outside of school giving out New Testaments to the kids coming out. This gang suddenly arrived, confiscated the New Testaments, climbed up onto the school roof, and set fire to them. And in the smoke and in the wind, a page floated up and disappeared. In the city, a lady is walking down the main street, and this piece of paper fell out of the sky and landed in front of her. And she bent down, picked it up, and read... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And there and then she gave her testimony on the street. And that night as the national news reader she gave her testimony over television and the nation heard it. You can't extinguish the light of God. When God is on the move you can't stop him. And he's never stopped being on the move. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working. But Jesus comes to this guy, the light of the world, about to confront a man in darkness. And he spits into the ground. And he kneels down and he makes a mud pack. And on the sixth day of creation, God came down 
and gathered the dust together and made a man and looked at him. I imagine God finishing it then standing up and thinking, wow, he's got a good head on him there. That's a nice neck I've given him. And those eyes are amazing. I mean, he built to see stars, billions of light. Yeah, that's just, and the sounds you'll pick up with those ears are phenomenal. Oh, what a good set of, what a lovely chest and legs and feet eyes. Oh, what a wonderful specimen. And then God bent down and gave him the kiss of life. And man became a living soul. That's God for you. And he is still the great creator. And Jesus, the great I am, kneels down into the dust and makes a mud pack and picks it up and places it on the man's eyes. And there says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Well, the man could have said, I got some water in my house. It's just around the corner. I live with my mum and dad. I'm not far away. I'll go and wash there. Well, actually, if you don't mind, Jesus, I'll take a bit of a day out. I'll go to the River Jordan where John used to baptize. Is that okay? No. You go where you're sent. That's what happened in John chapter 2. Mary said to the servants when they'd run out of wine, whatever he says to you, do it. Well, I, 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 I don't particularly want to do that, God. I think I love my miracle in the kitchen. Well, he could have gone home and washed. And stayed blind. He could have gone to the River Jordan where people had been baptized and having their sins washed away. And he would have stayed blind. He'd have had a cleaner face. But that's all. Go to the pool of Siloam. Go where you're sent. And it may be, it may be that for some there's this sent word for you. Maybe today that word has to be fulfilled. You've arrived and maybe today God wants to set you free from something you've carried. Whether that's a disfigurement, a deformity, a disease, an ailment, an illness, a habit, whatever it might be. Today, God has got you here because God wants to set you free. He breaks every chain. We've sung it over and over. He breaks every chain. He breaks every chain. There is no chain that he cannot break. No chain. And Jesus makes this mud pack. And the man goes off. But of course, he comes back seeing. But the religious people don't like it. Now, I don't think Jesus deliberately healed on the Sabbath just to anger the religious people. Jesus is actually demonstrating the Sabbath is not Lord of me. I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am in charge of the Sabbath. The Sabbath doesn't dictate to me. I dictate to the Sabbath. I'm the one that's in control. So if you want to leave your donkey in the ditch on a Sabbath, that's your choice. If you want, if you want to circumcise somebody on the eighth day because it happens to be the Sabbath day, that's your choice. But my choice is to do the will of him who sent me. Sent. And our job is to do the will of him who has sent us. Now we're not all called to be evangelists, but we are all called to witness. And out of witnessing, evangelists are Come to light. Out of witnessing, evangelists are born. Out of praying, intercessors are seen. It's just the way it works. We're all called to pray. We're all called to witness. But it's out of doing that suddenly the gifting emerges more fully. And so Jesus says to this guy, 
go to the pool of Siloam. And he went where he was sent. 1 Kings 17, you have this wonderful story of Elijah. And he suddenly appears on the, the scene of time, pronounces judgment over Ahab. And having done so, God says to him, now turn eastward and go to the brook Cherith, and there I'm going to feed you with the ravens every morning and every evening. Well, I don't think I'd be too happy if I was Elijah. Well, you know, I mean, the brook might be okay, but the raven, it's an unclean bird. They don't kind of fly to the local butchers and come back with the meat already wrapped in cling cling film. That ain't going to happen. Is it a bit of camel today we got? Is it a dead sheep with you in the day? Where did this meat come from? We're not told. What we are told is, I will feed you if you go where you're sent. And there's this aspect of being sent. Maybe you're thinking, oh, which church should I join? And I've visited and I've paid attention and I've looked in and should I join the membership course? You need to go where you're sent. And if this is not the place that God is sending you, then that's okay. Find where God is sending you and then be committed there. But wherever you go, don't just fill the pew. If you're going to be a member, be an active member. Be a proactive member. Get involved in what's kind of going on. But this man, comes back and instantly the miracle causes problems. It's not all glory when you get a miracle. Is it really him? Is this really your son? Well, yeah, of course it's a, are you sure? It doesn't just look, look like him? Are you sure it's really him? And then the, the religious rulers get involved and they don't know and, and the parents are apprehensive about whose side to fall on because they don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue either. So they come up with a comment, well he is of age, so ask him and that lets them off the hook. But the issue is, you get your miracle and some people believe it and some people don't. Not everybody will accept the miracle that you have. But the reality is, it's his story. Once I was blind, now I see. You can't argue with the facts. It's his story. Has a day coming? It may be today for some year that Jesus will suddenly say, today's your day. I've noticed you today. It's not that I didn't see you yesterday, but I've noticed you. There's that personal, inner kind of witness today. Today is the day. Today is the day my leg could grow. Today is the day my deaf ears could be unstopped. Today is the day my eyes might be made well. Today is the day when cancer may leave. Today is the day when whatever it is I'm suffering with may disappear because I suddenly know that Jesus has noticed me. But let's take a, another look at this guy. He's in the gutter. He can't go any lower physically. He can't go any lower morally. There is no other place to go. That's just like you and me before we got born again. What an image. The Bible says in Isaiah 60 verse 4, all our righteousness is like filthy rags. Gosh, thank God you don't mean me. Surely I was a good brethren lad. Can I borrow your Bible, please, Alan? I know you have it. 
It's not an electronic one. Thank you. As an ex-president boy, walking to church, I think Pete will bear witness. You have, the, have your black suit on, your white shirt, your tie in place, and your Bible. Because you're going to church. Didn't matter how religious you looked, the people knew where you were going. I mean, walk to church, proud. Not to be born again, proud because we were going to the Brethren Church. Because we were sincerely right. <laughs> and sincerely wrong. But we didn't know the difference between the two. <laughs> Thank you. But every single one of us at birth are born in sin. We may not like the reality of it. It's not a popular term to use. But we're born and shapen in iniquity. And Paul tells us in Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the good news is this, that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God sent his son to die for us. In my place, condemned, he stood. He, he took the price. Adam couldn't deal with it. You go back to the Garden of Eden, you find Adam sins, sinned, the eyes are opened, and suddenly they are aware of shame and guilt and their nakedness, and they try to cover themselves up. The gulf is set between creation and creator, and the created cannot bridge the gap. But God came down and called Adam by name. And today, because of the death of Jesus, today he still calls the sinner by name to come, kneel at his cross, give their life to Jesus. If you've never done that, and you get this kind of funny feeling on the inside, it's kind of a war that kind of goes on, God's on your case, and the devil doesn't like it. But Jesus is the one that stepped in, stepped down to the guttermost. See, the world does it the other way around. They take Samson from the uttermost and they plunge him to the guttermost. But Jesus comes down to the guttermost to raise us to the uttermost that we might be called children of God. That's the beauty of the gospel. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of it. Don't deserve his grace. Don't deserve his love. Don't deserve his healing. Don't deserve his power. Don't we deserve nothing. We brought nothing to the table. All our righteousness like filthy rags. But Jesus, thanks be to God that he came down and he took our place, my place and your place. And in my place, condemned, he stood. That's what Jesus did. And here's the demonstration. Jesus kneeling in the dust and the filth with this blind beggar who is not going to be smelling very sweet. And he restores him, irrespective of what neighbors think, what the religious people think. He restores him, not because he deserves it, but because he doesn't deserve it and he cannot earn it. And Jesus bridged the gap. And he still bridges the gap for you and for me today. But Jesus is the light of the world. And I do believe that as the light of the world today, he wants to shine into some darkness. And so while praying about this word, I believe God gave me three particular words. The one is for, you're a younger person and you love IT. 
but in your workplace you misuse it not going to go into detail but you misuse it and you can't kind of I don't think it's wrong what you're doing but you're using it for the wrong end and God wants to set you free I believe there's this is lovely really you really can't see who's out there um, I believe there's an African lady and you have possibly at home an outfit that is gold in colour that has this black pattern it's not a swirl pattern but it's kind of like that that interwoves through it and it's kind of a favourite for you and God wants you to know he's, he's noticed that because you think God has overlooked you because there are promises in your life that have not yet been fulfilled and God wants you to know that he hasn't forgotten you he is still at work on your behalf making certain the day will come when you will see the fulfillment of those promises I would love you to come forward so we can pray for you and with you and finally bit of a strange one this but I believe there's somebody here and you have a nightmare it's like a recurring nightmare and in the nightmare you see this image and it's a bit like from Red Riding Hood where if you know the story the wolf eats the grandma and then dresses up like the grandma and is in bed waiting for little Red Riding, little Red Riding Hood to come along and oh what big eyes you have and what big teeth you have and all the rest of it because I used to love nursery rhymes and both stories but this image seems to haunt you and it's because in your background there was a grandmother that was harsh to you and this image kind of haunts you he breaks every chain today Jesus wants to set you free wonder if the band could come back please while they're coming back just like us to pray a moment and if you've never given your life to Jesus I can ask you just to pray this simple prayer and then I would like you to respond so we're not going to be caught out if you pray this prayer I will ask you to come forward as we worship together so you can get more prayer and we can gather around you and help you so here we go Lord Jesus I recognize today that all my righteousness is like filthy rags in your sight but today I kneel before you and I ask you will you come into my life will you exchange my rags for your riches will you exchange my filth for your cleansing I invite you into my life today to come and be Lord of my life in Jesus name Amen if you've prayed that prayer we want to pray for you the ministry team will be out in a moment but we want to be praying for people that have illness particularly long standing because I believe for some today is that day when Jesus has noticed you and you suddenly know he's noticed you maybe it's irritable bowel, bowel syndrome you suffer with it may be some other stomach complaint you may have trouble with your knees it makes no difference actually to God what it is Jesus 
the great physician wants to heal you today and he wants to break every chain and set you free today thank you